0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. My name is Pastor Joshua. I am your next generation pastor here at Crossgate Church. And over this past summer, I've had the privilege of not attending one, no, not two, but technically three camps. So I have aged 10 years in about three weeks. Is that right, Randy? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, So uh, one of the cool things about this is I get to see the general theme, right? That as I go from camp to camp to camp, I see this, this thread that God is teaching to the next generation. I see a common theme, and so one of the things we're talking about today is what I've officially called Summer Slideshow Sunday. So how many of you, like, maybe you're growing up, and I don't know if, if you experienced this, like, maybe your, your aunt or your grandmother or someone would go on vacation, and then they, they'd be like, okay, we have to do the slideshow. And so they, they'd put up something. Maybe that was back in the day when you'd put the thumb drive on the TV and you would scroll through all the pictures are maybe like super old school, right? They would set up the projector and kind of click through all the photos. And, and if you were younger, you're sitting there like, there's only so many pictures of a blurry beach I can take, but like, we'll, we'll focus. So like, you have this, you have this time where you, you go back and you remember, you remember what you did over the summer. For some of you that's scrolling through Instagram now or Facebook, for me, one of the things that if, you, if you've been in my office or you've seen my office is I have journals and I have photo books all over the place. And so, for instance, I have these journals going all the way back. This is a, a D group that I did with a group of boys several years ago, A Call to Die, uh, recommended if you've never done it. Uh, I have journals. This one is one that I started when I first started coming to Crossgate. Uh, this is my current journal right now. It's my prayer journal. It's my D-group journal. Uh, it's where I take my sermon notes. Uh, one, one of these. This is when I, f- uh, when I was already in youth ministry, I had a mentor pull me aside, and we did this book together. Uh, so you have journaling of a, a very young Joshua Tompkins just starting in the youth ministry. Uh, this one here. Uh, sometimes I hesitate to open. Uh, because these are journal entries when I very first started youth ministry on top of sermon notes that I wrote. And so I open it up, and then I'm like, wow, that's heresy. And then I close it, and I think, I don't want to remember this anymore, because a 19-year-old Josh, who was not in seminary, had some very different opinions of the Bible. So, but the thing is, is I go back on all of these, and it reminds me of what God has done. It's shown me this common thread that no matter my mistakes, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what has happened, that God has remained faithful and that he has truly blessed me, blessed others, and he continues to do so. Today, that's what we're doing. We're looking back at all that God has done this summer, looking at lessons learned, and we're celebrating his faithfulness. I'm basing all this on Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Let's read that together. It says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name For the Lord is good, and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. So today what I want to do is I want to recap how how people this summer have served, how children and students have acknowledged that the Lord is their God. Uh, I, I want to Express the joyful hearts that experienced a taste of heaven as they entered into worship at Vacation Bible School, Kids Camp, Youth Camp, and how we as a church can truly thank God for all that he has done. So let's start at the very beginning of the summer, and that's with Kids Camp. Uh, This year, we took one of our largest groups to Camp Renew up at Spring Lake, where the camp itself saw a total of like 300 plus kids, and this year, I had the opportunity to train uh, and and just really encourage about 60 teenagers who were our staffers. So if you thought, Josh just went to youth camp, no, no. I volunteered to also go earlier and train 60 staffers, not all of which were our own students. So what did they learn? Because here's the thing, camps now are, are pushing the boundaries on what students need to hear right in your mind if it's camp it's it's not this fluff stuff anymore what it is is it's really ingraining deeper biblical truths in children that they need to hear so the theme this past year was what what do i do with this and i kid you not the the preacher literally walked through from chapter 1 all the way through walked through the book of galatians with our kids with third graders through sixth grade, they got an exegetical, like, chapter-by-chapter chapter outline of the book of Galatians. And so the idea was this, is, is what do I do with, with, my, with my faith? We hear all these big ideas in church, especially kids hear all these big ideas in church. These ideas are really important, but they leave kids and sometimes even adults asking, well, what do I do with this information? And so during kids' camp, our adults and students walk through the entire book of Galatians and unpack some big ideas to help the next generation understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They discovered what they are to do with things like the gospel, their testimony, the Old Testament, the law, and ultimately even their futures. The camp did this by asking the campers, to ask several questions. They asked one every session that we met. I want to show you all these questions to get an idea of what we walked through this. They asked, what do I do with the gospel? What do I do with my testimony? What did Jesus do for me? What do I do with the law? Again, these are third graders, and we are walking them through, here is the law, here's what that means, and here's what you do with it. What does the law do for me? What do I do with my freedom? And ultimately, our last session was, what do I do with my life? Questions that we're asking to kids in grade school, and I think as adults, we need to be asking the same questions ourselves. So what I want to do is I want to focus on two of these questions. Again, as somebody who's, who is at kids camp, youth camp, vacation Bible school, uh, I began to see a common th- theme emphasized through the Spirit as I'm listening to all this, hearing all this, and experiencing all this. So I wanted to focus on two. The question that I wanted to focus on is what do I do with my freedom? If God has given us freedom, then what do I do with it? If we are free, what do we do with that freedom? We tend to define freedom as the ability to do whatever we want. This is like the teenager who gets his or her license, right? Like, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I'm independent now. You're like, are you paying insurance? No. No, you're not. Like, you're not free yet. I can are the college student moving out of the house and venturing off for the first time. I'm free. I can do whatever it is that I want. And this is not the biblical view of freedom. Instead, this mindset just views freedom as a license to sin. Now that I've obtained this stage, I can do the things that I couldn't do or shouldn't do. The greatest freedom is not in doing whatever we want. That is a false hope. We need the next generation to see if the greatest freedom comes from living for Christ in every area of our lives. Meaning that our freedom is not one of selfish ambition and sin, but freedom is to be used to serve God, his church, and others. Look at this in Galatians 5, 13 through 14. It says, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. With our students, when we were training them. I was like, this is a particularly interesting command. It's like, in freedom, you were called to be free. You're free for freedom's sake, which is an interesting terminology when you think about it. It says, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but what? But serve one another through love. For the whole law is summed in one statement, you guys know it, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out for you will be consumed by one another. Your freedom, being free in Christ, according to Paul in Galatians, is not an excuse to do whatever we want. To ignore his call to holiness, to forsake his bride, the church. To think of only yourself are just those who are close to you and benefit you. His freedom gives us the opportunity to show biblical love for God by submitting to his will and his word and by displaying the same love to our brothers and our sisters in Christ, especially those in the church. But then that leads into the the next question is, well, well, what do I do with my life? If I'm called to serve and to love in this way, then what do I do with this life that God has given me? See, what I loved about this year's camps, like all of them combined, was the thought and care each speaker put into their teaching time to push campers to think beyond the borders of camp. Like we all know of the cultural phenomenon of the, quote, camp high And so they were diligent to not play on emotions. They were careful with the text, and they were very direct with the students because they wanted that passion to continue as they came back into their communities. And in Galatians, Paul does not give us fluffy theology for its own sake, but he gives us solid theology that is to impact how we actually live. So our new reality of being in Christ and having accepted the gospel should change how we live. It shouldn't stay the same. Look at Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These these two are opposed to each other. So that you don't do what you want but if if you are led by the Spirit then you are no longer under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I Meaning, this is not the extensive list. Paul is saying if it's like this, it is included in there. And he says, I am warning you about these things as, guess what, he's warned them before. So that those who practice such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember verse 22, but the, verses, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against these things, there is no limit. There is no law. Exercise and do these things as much as you want. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires and he sums it up if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another paul sums up how we are to live he says it's no longer in the flesh no longer of our own merit and our own will but instead it is in step with the spirit why just, just for our own personal enjoyment? No, he says it, it should be something moving forward, and it's helping and loving those around us. This does not mean we are perfect. We have to be careful to help the next generation, even ourselves, understand that good works does not save us or make God love us more. That said, good works are an essential part of the life we are called to. We are called to walk with the Spirit and display good fruit of love for one another. Look at Galatians 6, 9 through 10. It says, not, let us not get tired of doing good. Let's pause there just for a second. If I were very transparent, I would say there are moments, especially this last summer, where I get tired of doing good. Why? Well, because one, we face a very powerful enemy so as i'm doing good i need to recognize there is going to be a battle that comes and rages against me and two i'm old now and so camp bunks hurt when you sleep on them for more than two weeks at a time but he says this listen he gets it life gets busy there are things that come at us and paul reminds us don't grow tired of this listen for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. He says, because of this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. He says, listen, I get it. You're tired. You're busy. There's all these distractions, but don't stop doing good. You will reap a benefit for this. Keep pressing on. If we are in Christ, we are no longer our own, and we live in pursuit of His glory not our own. A while ago, I had a, a youth pastor, kind of tongue-in-cheek, say, you know, is it, is it sad that your glory days are gone? This is after I hit 40. So he was young, and I let the comment go. And I said, you know what? I am glad that my glory days are gone because it's no longer about my glory. So you know, when I was younger, it was all about me. But as I've matured in faith and continue walking in Christ, it's more and more and more and more becoming about, no, it's God's glory. It's all about him. It's not about me. That means that we reflect his glory in every area of our lives, especially when it isn't easy, and especially those who belong to the church. These are the lessons we saw over a kid's camp, that we're impressing upon this next generation how important it is that their life is not their own, but it is for Christ and his bride, the church. So again, like I said, it's Summer Slideshow Sunday. Say that three times fast. So I want to show you, some of you have not seen what we've done, so I want to show you a little bit of Taste of Heaven, and I want to show you this quick video of of what we experienced at camp. I want to preface that, though. Uh, You will see me throughout these videos do a number of embarrassing things. I apologize. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Man, it was a lot of fun. So I do want to thank uh, a couple people. One, Danielle Ryma, who, I don't, she's currently serving right now, but our children's director who helped us get there and be a part of it. If we can give her a round of applause, uh, just because she gives so much. If you were one of the adults uh, that attended, uh, or one of our staffers, our teen staffers that attend that, could you just stand Right now, um, so we can also thank you. Thank you. Uh, And I do want to point out if that was something you missed, uh, we are going back next year and man, God continues to move. And I did want to point out one of the things that has blessed me as the next gen pastor is when we started attending this, when I started sending teenagers to staff it, we started with three. That was it, just three people that, that kind of started off. And then the next year, uh, we took just four. But when those teenagers came back, they said, man, there is something happening at this camp. We love what God is doing. This is so much fun. We love serving with these kids. And this year, we took 16 of our own that went and had an absolute blast. And they served. They gave up their their week plus more. And when I tell you guys that we sweat, I mean, we sweat doing that camp, and those 16 teenagers, um, all of them have come back saying, we want to have, we want to do that again, we want to bring back more of our own, so I continue to see God work and not only use it as a kids' camp, but see it as leadership development for those who maybe even see a calling in their lives, so that's kids' camp. Well, now I want to shift gears. I want to talk about what we experienced at youth camp. So at youth camp, uh, our students spent uh, an entire week understanding what it meant to be built. And and we we talked about the individual work of the Spirit and how God is building them to be more and more like Christ. We also focused on how they are built to be in community. Our our tagline was, uh, God's design had community in mind. And we focused on what the church is and what it's meant to be And how they can be part of it and not just a consumer. We base this uh, uh, significantly off of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Follow along with me. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so our teens, what we did is we kind of went through a, here are things the church is, and then here are things that the church is not. And again, I see this thread weaving through all the lessons learned this summer. So three things that the church is not based off of Acts chapter 2. The very first thing that our preacher talked about is, one, the church is not a building. And see, I think we all know this. It's a people. It's not a place. I think that's a very common saying that we all understand and we would amen to, but we have to expound on it more, right? The church also isn't just a bunch of people In a place the people who are defined as the church are the people who have placed their faith and hope in Jesus and in Jesus alone that those people are the church and so when you look at Acts chapter two you get this idea of these people knew one another they did life together with one another this was something that they did daily with each other and so one of the things that the speaker said that I wrote down I thought was so convicting and captivating, he asked this question, do you know your church, the people, or do you know where to just sit down? Is this just something that you attend, or do you know the people sitting around you? One of the things I stress to our students all the time is, yes, we are a youth ministry, but the youth ministry is not the church it's a part of it it's an aspect of it but it is not in total the church meaning my students should know the senior citizens senior citizens should know the students like together we are the church your life group is it a part of the church absolutely is it essential to the church yes but is it the church no we together are the church the second thing we taught students is it's, it's not a building, but the second thing is the church is not a business. You see this in Acts chapter 2. The believers gave as others had need, but many view the church as an investment that you expect to get back from. It sounds like this. If I don't get my way, then maybe uh, maybe I'm not just tithing that much. Or maybe I'm not going to serve in this area because it's not doing the things that I Want it to do. Or maybe I'll even withdraw my membership and I'll attend somewhere else because this church really isn't fitting my needs. And church becomes a very self-centered, subjective concept. And one of the things that we stress to teenagers, and it sounds harsh, but we see this in Acts chapter 2 is this reality. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to grow the church, but he does want you there. He does desire you to be in that place, but the church is not dependent upon you. Christ will grow his church. He is the center of it all, not us. And there's all too often we treat it like a business instead of what it's meant to be. And the other thing that church is not, the church is not a bus stop. The people knew Their own people and their community. Your commitment to the church cannot be based on what's next or new or the best things in town. See, as as someone who works with youth in college all the time, this is a constant strain on my soul when I hear, hey, I'm not coming to Wednesday night tonight or Sunday tonight with the group of people that I've been all year with because there's this other thing over here and that sounds more fun or they're giving away cash prizes or they're doing this event. And it's like, man, that, that's a tough call. Because what are you doing in this instance is you're just saying, whatever is bigger or better or more fun to me, I'm going to go to that. I'm not going to remain necessarily committed. I hear this all the time. People that, that church hop, based upon which program fits their schedule, are their wants and their desires more. You know, I like worship, but I don't like the preaching. So I'm going to go over here. I want more hymns, less hymns. The kids or youth ministry is too boring. It's too fun. I've had parents say, like, my student just feels disconnected. And so often my response very gently is, it's because your student is not here. They, They check in every few months if they deem it an event worthy enough. And they come with you to church when it doesn't affect with their work or athletic schedule and they hop around from whatever youth ministry or church their current boyfriend or girlfriend attends, they're not committed to a church. They're committed to themselves. And so we had to start really hitting to our next generation that church is not subjective. It's not a bus stop. It's something you are invested in. When Jesus is only about your self interest, then you are not interested in Jesus. You get more, and we see this across the board, you get more out of an invested, committed relationship every time. Yes, it's hard. No, it isn't perfect, but the best relationships in our lives follow this basic principle. Commitment, investment, relational, and you will grow. So church is not a bus stop. So three things church is, according to Acts chapter 2. One, it's a following. Here's the deal. You cannot be devoted to many different things. When you do, you will find yourself stressed out, stretched thin, and life will be simply out of control. I cannot begin to communicate to you guys just how much I try to remind people to just simply simplify life, to do less so that you can truly do more. See, we have a hustle culture that is constantly demanding for us to do more. A culture that says, go ahead, you can do it all. When you look at the followers of Jesus, though, you see their devotion, first and foremost, was to Christ and his church. So all other things flowed through that filter first. So we ask students, what are you following? Are you following Christ? Are you following the church? Are you following culture? The second thing thing a church is is a family. And this one's pretty simple, so I'm going to keep this point short. You are not doing life with people if all you do is check in once a week. We are made to do life together. That is one of the biggest benefits of the life groups we have here at Crossgate is so that you can actually do life with people around you in your context and you can serve together You can pray together, get into the Word together. Man, they support you and encourage you, and you just do life together. That is an aspect and such a critical point to the church. And the last thing is this. It's a foundation. The church gives us the foundation of participation in the work of Jesus. Acts chapter 2 shows this, is that it's not just about us. It's about the foundation of the gospel that we are meant to go out and to serve those around us and to proclaim the gospel of Christ. So lastly, why the local church? Hebrews ten twenty four through 25, it says this, and let us consider one another in order to provoke in love the good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So why should we choose the church? First thing is this. It's a catalyst for perseverance. If you are, you are saved to serve. Yes, Jesus saved you, but he didn't just save you. He saved other people. And the reality is, is we can forget the calling because of the comfort in our lives. This rages against what I call seasonal theology. And, and I hear it often. Well, I'm just in a, in a season in my life where... And here's what I put. There is no season or reason to neglect God or his church. There's none. And some of these seasons, to be quite frank, remind me of Arizona winters. They never end. And the season goes on. There's no reason to neglect God or his church, period. Yes, celebrate the place you are at now in life and the blessings he has given you, but do not use those to justify neglecting his bride, the church. We see this nowhere biblically, but we use this excuse to justify celebrating the culture over Christ. So we're called to persevere. Why the church? The second thing is it's a matter of obedience, to gather with the body. You see this in Hebrews 10. But then you also see there, it says that there were some neglecting not to gather together, as was their habit. I wrote this down. We have formed a habit of neglecting God. We have formed a habit of neglecting God. We do this through our own personal time of devotion and prayer. We do this in our mindset as we choose sometimes to not serve others. We do this when we, when we put other things before the thing that he died for, the church, And here's the reality. Habits reflect the heart. So if you've built a habit of neglecting God and his word, if you've built a habit of neglecting the church, then it comes back to asking, what is happening here? Because this habit reflects where my heart is at, and it is a submission issue when they say, do not neglect the gathering together. But lastly, it's a reminder of commitments the beauty of God's commitment to us that he will always remain faithful, but it's, it's the reminder of our commitment to God that because of his faithfulness, we are faithful to his gospel message. This calls us to be a unified people, to love and to live like Jesus. These are just some of the lessons that our teenagers, our students are hearing of how important the church is. So, once again, we're gonna take a look back. I'm gonna give you a little slideshow of our time together at youth camp this past week. Go ahead. It's again just tons of fun. I wanna ask if you were one of my adults uh, that went with, uh, to that camp, we got Brad and Aaron Oswald, Caleb Lauren, Emma Tucker, Philip Petty, Wayne Dabinsky. If you are here, could you please stand so we could just recognize you real quick? Again, uh, adults that have sacrificed their time, vacation time, to just be there discipling the next generation is, is just something that touches my heart every time. And again, if you have a student here and you're like, man, we, we missed out, then all I could do is invite you to join us this upcoming summer. And lastly, I want to talk about last week, Vacation Bible School, which we just had. We saw over uh, 120 kids enter through our doors, and we had over 100 volunteers help throughout the week. And on the last day, which made me get pied in the face, uh, I forget the exact toll, but we raised over $1,000 for the call uh, for the foster care. <laughs> so just huge, seeing God move in these ways. This year, our theme was twist and turns, where kids learn that Jesus really does change everything as they learned through the life of Peter. They learned how Jesus is holy, Jesus uh, is holy. Peter following Jesus in Matthew 4. They learned about how Jesus is trustworthy as Peter walked on the water in Matthew 14. They learned that Jesus forgives when they saw Peter denying Jesus and how he was restored uh, in John 21. They learned that Jesus is worth following, how Peter's speaking boldly about Jesus in Acts 3. And they learned that Jesus is for everyone where Peter told Cornelius about who Jesus is in Acts chapter 10. and That's the lesson I kind of want to focus in on. So follow along with me as we go through this story of Peter and Cornelius, and I'll fill in the blanks a little bit. It says, there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of, of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he directly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, "Cornelius." Now in this vision, he basically sees that he's going to be approached by Peter and these people, and they are going to present the gospel to him. That's his vision. Peter then has the same vision. He's not anywhere close, but he's far away from Cornelius, but Peter has the same uh, vision, and he basically goes to Cornelius, he obeys the Spirit. They both have these separate visions, and so Peter goes to look at verse 28 when he's talking with Cornelius. Peter said to him, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. That's not the best sentence you want to start with when you're introducing one another. Like, you know I'm not supposed to talk to you. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So may I ask why you sent for me? So Peter relays, hey, I wouldn't have been here, but God has called me to be here, and I'm submissive to God, I'm learning from God. And then what Cornelius does is he tells Peter his vision. Verse 34, Peter began to speak. Now, truly I understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ that he is Lord of all. And then Peter begins to preach to Cornelius and those around him. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, Peter learned that God does not play favorites. Peter was not God's favorite. Peter had a mindset that because of him, look at how the church is growing, and that the gospel was for some, but it wasn't necessarily for all. And so he had people that he kind of played favorites with, so Peter learned that he was not God's favorite, just like we need to remember that we are not God's favorites. Remember, unity in this in this chapter, unity isn't just a command, it is a very clear conclusion if you are following Christ. God is in the business of unifying all people to Him through Christ. If we are not seeing unity, then it means we are not following the command. This is how it sounds in my world. And parents, I'm gonna ask you to help me out with this mindset because I hear it all the time uh, from students and others. And so I, I say, here's the event, here's what we're doing. And I'm, and I'm super excited about the event. And then normally, nine times out of ten, the first question a teenager will ask is, who is going to be there? Right? How many of you parents maybe have heard this question before? Like, like, hey, we want to go this, well, who's going to be there? See, when we ask this question, what it does is it really shows more about what we think about and how we treat others. Or my second favorite is we'll be at a youth event, and hey, maybe it's not 50, 70, 80, 90, 100 youth." Maybe it's fifteen, twenty, and someone shows up and be like, "Man, nobody's here." So I'll take the student and be like, "Am I nobody? Is that person nobody? That clearly is nobody." All the nobodies wave like, "No, that's I don't do that, but I want to very badly." Like, even when surrounded by, see, what it, what does that show? It shows our heart for other people. The people that I like are not here. And so these people, I don't, I don't really talk to, I don't really associate, I don't really serve these people. That's, that's favoritism. See, God didn't need Peter, and it sounds harsh, but God does not need you. The church doesn't grow based off your influence, your tithe, your contributions, whatever it might be. The church grows because of the work of the Spirit. God showed to Peter, I'm going to continue to grow my church. Peter had no hand in this he just followed the spirit god was already at work in the life of cornelius so how do we unify instead of show favoritism three quick things first is we love like jesus unity doesn't work when you only love people on your terms the second thing is you have to give some effort i i really dislike the phrase when we say well you're called to love them not like them where does that work where has anyone come up to, I love you like a brother, I just don't like you, amen. And you're like, whew, what a blessing from the Lord. And you go home happy. No, you're like, that jerk doesn't like me. Right? Here's the thing. Not liking people equals not loving people. Because that's the reality of it. I don't like you, so I don't need to be around you. And it is a mockery to the unity of Christ when we say, but I love you in spirit. No. See, we've grown content to treat unity like a hobby. I'll do it as long as it benefits me. So you have to give some effort. So we love like Jesus, we give some effort. And the last thing is this, remember your calling. Peter did. He was called to declare the gospel. It didn't matter to who, that was his calling. It's an act of commitment. It does not end. So the question then comes, are we doing our part in declaring that gospel to everybody? We did so this past week at Vacation Bible School. I want to show you this quick video, and then we'll wrap it up with a quick conclusion. Go ahead. If you were somebody over the course of this week who volunteered and helped us out at Vacation Bible School, can you please stand uh, for making a week just amazing? Go on. (laughs) Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. That is something we know, we believe, and we see because of all God has done this summer, and he continues to do here at Crossgate Church. So two quick things. One, if you're not plugged in, can I encourage you to do so? Like, go into Next Steps, ask about attending a life group. If you're looking for a place to serve, and I tell everybody all the time, if you're not serving and you want to be a part of Next Gen, man, you, you will be blessed as you watch these kids and these students grow in God. So maybe your next step is to serve in the Next Gen ministry. We would love for you to be a part of our team. And lastly, it's this. If you're here and you do not know who Jesus is, that you come to know him through faith Today. And that if that's something you want to talk about, you've heard his word and you want to give your life to him, maybe you've been putting on a good show and it's been all about your works and your glory, but today you're willing to say, man, it's about him and putting my faith and trust in him, then please talk to us in Next Steps as well today. So that I just want to conclude us in prayer. As we go out in our week, I want to encourage you, as I've been encouraged this year of his faithfulness, in all of our generations. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this time that we can spend reflecting upon all that you have done. God, it is only through the work of your spirit that we see this common thread and theme weaved through this past summer, speaking to our students about the importance of what it means to be a person committed to you and committed to your church and committed to the gospel. And God, may this message be something that is written and etched on the hearts of all of these children and lived out in their lives. And God, help us as adults and as leaders and as mentors to the next generation show and encourage this same message, that you are truly worthy of it all. Father, we thank you in your holy name, amen. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer@crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.